Good afternoon, everyone. Tiffany Leonard here, and today we are going to talk about PTSD, many of the signs, types of PTSD, triggers, some coping mechanisms, and I'll also share some of our famous celebrities that have admitted to suffering from PTSD as well. Uh, getting a little bit later start on the show today than I wanted, but it's just been one of those afternoons where I was just kind of lazy, not wanting to get out of bed and not wanting to start the day. So it's just been one of those unmotivational days, but I am up and awake and here, and I guess that's all that matters. Um, So before I get into talking about anything, I just want to state and make sure that you all know that obviously, even though I am talking about a medical condition, I am in no way, shape or form a doctor. If you feel you are suffering from PTSD, please seek medical help from your medical care provider. I am just sharing, you know, basic things off the internet that anybody can read and also things from my own experience. But of course, everyone is different and I am not a doctor, so I cannot consult and diagnose anybody. I can just give advice. So with that being said, um, I guess I'd like to start out by saying that I realized I had PTSD. Um, While I was diagnosed around the same time I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was 20, but my PTSD really stems from when I was sexually assaulted at 16. And so A lot of my symptoms now that I'm, you know, in therapy consistently and that I'm on pretty good medication, I've been on the medication that I'm on now for a few years and it has consistently helped me. I fear that, uh, excuse me, I feel that my symptoms have subsided uh, greatly, especially within the last two years or so. You know, I used to have a lot of... um, night terrors, um, panic attacks, um, you know, um, just a lot of anxiety and depression symptoms a lot as well. Um, and not to say that I still don't have those things, but it's very, very rarely. And it's not like it used to be. I mean, I used to have like panic attacks, like all the time to the point where I couldn't even go out in public, like, or deal with any kind of crowds. And now I still don't like crowds, but it's not as triggering or hard to deal with as it used to be. So I feel like that is, you know, it's a big step, especially, you know, taking my medication. It's, it's just been helping a lot. So I just feel like it's a big step because I, for a while, I felt like I was never going to be able to you know, enjoy myself again and go out and have fun. And I'm able to do those things now because I just feel like I know how to cope really well with that. And I will share some coping mechanisms. Um, But first, I guess, I guess everybody shows different kinds of signs and symptoms. You know, it's always different for everybody. No one person is alike. So I couldn't really tell you specifically how my signs and symptoms started out what they you know what they were from the start like it's it's just hard to kind of remember um 
I know definitely for sure I've had bad dreams and that is definitely one. Um, and panic attacks, even though that's a lot more of anxiety, PTSD and anxiety are definitely, you know, they kind of go hand in hand together. So it's, that's definitely something I have dealt with. Um, some people, you know, are very, can get very hostile or be very self-destructive. Um, I did used to be a cutter and I don't think that was really from PTSD. I, I did that more so, um, when I was feeling extremely depressed and just didn't know how to cope. Um, I will say that there were periods when that was worse and then it gradually got better and then it would get worse again and then I haven't done that for quite a long time now very very long time so um you know it's I think a lot of the hostility most people that have PTSD I think they don't really want to be hostile toward others it's more so taking it out on themselves at least that's from my experience um when I was upset and kind of mad at the world or mad at anybody and that's where a lot of the self-destructive behavior and the self-harming came in I was more just wanting to take it out on myself and not anybody else because I knew the only person I was truly mad at was myself more than anyone. So um, I feel like a lot of people that deal with that, those are a lot of the behavioral symptoms because they, they really don't want to hurt anyone. They just, they're more so upset within themselves. And so that's where a lot of those feelings come from. Um, you know, psychologically, um, you know, a lot of flashbacks and that's where a lot of the dreams would come from, like the nightmares, just the flashbacks of whatever was going on. Like I would have, there'd be certain parts where I would have dreams where I would have, think about like certain parts of being raped or a lot of people like that were, you know, in the war, they you know, there's certain parts of that or they would kind of relive that whole experience. And that's where the flashbacks really, especially in dreams. And I think that's why many, many, many people suffer from insomnia as well, because they don't want to fall asleep because they have nightmares. And that's totally understandable. I mean, that's just so heartbreaking. Um, you know, severe anxiety, um, I really feel like, I mean, I was depressed for many years before I started dealing with PTSD, but I think it gradually made my anxiety worse. I noticed that I didn't really start having panic attacks until I started dealing with a lot of the PTSD. And so it really adds on and builds to that. Um, like, I just, I feel like I can lose interest in a lot of things or just feel really, like, lethargic and guilty and lonely. And it just, you really just don't feel good about yourself 
when your anxiety is really sky high and I think a lot of that too is because I know if I like interact or feel like if I do too much it'll be overwhelming and then that sends me into panic attack overdrive and I definitely want to avoid that so it's definitely hate dealing with that it's just it's not fun um also I you know sometimes it's I feel like a lot of times too like I'm very I don't like to trust um and I feel like I think you know no more and more so the more I have been talking with people um about this like you know, when I would go to a couple therapy groups and whatever, I always thought it was just me not wanting to trust people just because it was like my own kind of thing. Um, I just, I feel like I've always been that way, but then there's many people I I've seen in these like therapy groups that they're, they feel like they can't trust anybody either. And so I feel like a lot of the mistrust, maybe it is something that a lot of people with depression and PTSD deal with. And I, and I guess that's one of those things where I felt like I was so alone, but remember you are not alone. And now I, you know, I realize that like, especially with that, it's like, wow, I'm not alone in like being mistrustful. And I guess maybe it's good to be cautious. You don't want to be so quick to trust people all the time, but I feel that much more better about it because there's many other people that are dealing with this too. And I just, I never, I always thought it was my own kind of thing and that I was just being kind of closed off to people. So I'm glad that I don't have to feel so alone in that anymore. But um, yeah, I mean, those are just some of the few signs. Um, and reading this on Google here, it's according to the Mayo Clinic. So if it's a website you would like to visit and kind of read about some more of the symptoms, um, Mayo Clinic is where I'm getting this info. Um, so I guess I'll talk next more about some coping skills. Um, being in therapy, there's many, many ways um, that you can cope with it. And again, everybody's different. No one or two coping skills are the same. Everybody has their own kind of coping skills, but also remember there are healthy coping skills and there are unhealthy coping skills. And you want to make sure that you are practicing healthy coping skills. Um, you know, for example, an unhealthy coping skill obviously is that self-destructive behavior, cutting yourself, self-harming. That's obviously not a healthy coping skill. And that's what many of us would turn to. And so you want to make sure that you don't do something as unhealthy as that. Um, so a lot of I know one thing obviously I do is I write. I haven't written in quite some time, but um, when I, I went through a period a couple years ago where I would write like every day and it could just be as simple as keeping a diary or writing down just words or thoughts that are coming into your mind. It doesn't even have to be anything specific, but um, definitely 
uh, journaling is, I think that's what a lot of people really turn to. I feel like that's what they feel really helps them. And while I'm not big on journaling, I realized that I could really turn my words into a poem and make it meaningful. And so that's what I, I did. I, I wrote poems based on my experiences. And in my poems, it's like, it's my experience. It's my thoughts. It's my feelings. And it's like, it's a wonderful release because you can kind of turn it into a story and it's like your own thing. It's like you wrote that, you made that. And it can really, really make you feel really good when you can express your thoughts on paper. Um, so definitely writing is definitely positive. Um, I am looking on for some coping skills on medical news today. Um, Besides writing, that was my own thing, but uh, medical news today, uh, mindful meditation. Now for me, meditation, I just can't do it. I, I just feel like meditation, if I'm, I feel like I'm thinking too hard when you have to kind of sit there and gather your thoughts. I understand that's kind of the point, but then I feel like I'm thinking too hard. I can't really think at all. So I have tried meditation a few times, um, just it really does not work uh, for me. I just, I can't do it. So I, I'm one of those weird people that I just, I cannot relax doing meditation. I feel, I feel very restless and like I said, like I can't think. So I feel like I have to keep my mind occupied as I'm thinking and trying not to do anything negative. And to me, meditation, it's like it's too quiet. I can't think and it just does not help me at all. So, but I know for many people, um, meditation does help. And, you know, I think that's great. I And, you know, or doing yoga and, you know, I talk to many people and they're like, well, there's different kinds of forms of meditation you could do. And I'm like, yeah, I just, it's, it's just not my thing. I, I just cannot, I can't do it. So, but yeah, um, um, regain focus through physical activity. Um, I wish I, I should exercise more. Um, you know, that's one thing I lack is I'm not a very um, active person, but a lot of people, yeah, um, they do. Um, it's exercise is great. It's not only just healthy for your body, but also for your mind. And um, it can definitely help reduce stress levels. Um, if I can read on here very quick, um, Rebecca Thorne who is diagnosed with PTSD following childhood trauma, explains how running has helped her to cope with the symptoms that were impacting her life. Um, she says, I am a runner and I suffer from PTSD. One of the many things I think about while I'm running and also when I'm not is the relationship between the two. I embrace running in all weathers, always with a considerable amount of ascent. As I fight my way up the climbs, I often imagine that the hill is my illness and I am going to slowly and steady, steadily conquer it. Yet it never feels like suffering and, once at the top of the hill, I can reach out and touch the sky. 
that I feel is incredible because it's true. It's like if you're jogging up, imagine you're jogging up this really big steep hill and it's just like, oh my gosh, I really, I just, I, I don't want to do this anymore. I've got to stop. I, I can't do it. But then imagine if I get to that hill, I'm going to go downhill and I just reach the peak of conquering my fear and all that stress up at the top of that hill. If you run to it, if you get to it, all that stress and everything, once you re get to the release of the downhill, you just like released all that stress. And so I think that is a, that is an awesome way to think of it. So, uh, Rebecca, uh, thank you for that quote. That is, um, absolutely, that's a wonderful way to think of it. And, you know, I have thought about take, not really taking up running, but maybe going for walks. And one way I think, I can think of that as if I go for a walk and I set like, say, let's say if I want to go for a walk and say, I'll make it, you know, really easy for the first time, maybe two blocks. If I'm going to walk two blocks and I feel like I'm just done by the first block, I need to think if I'm going to walk that extra block, getting around to the extra block is where all that stress release and meeting this goal of feeling good about myself is going to be. And you just got to make it positive. So that is just, I think that's always a good way to think of it when you are doing a physical activity is you have to set a goal in mind to get there to make yourself feel good. Um, aromatherapy. Um, I am big in, I, I don't really use it a whole lot, but I do like aromatherapy. Um, I don't really use essential oils. Um, I have, and I do like them, but I definitely, um, I'm big in doing like incense and sage. Um, definitely very relaxing. I like the different smells. Um, it's, it is very calming. Um, and I, and I know certain people say there's certain smells that you should use like for certain things. I just feel like any kind of aromatherapy scent. Um, obviously, sage is one. Uh, lavender is another very calming one. But anything like that, I just, I really, I feel like the different scents is just, is what's calming for me. Um, it's, it's relaxing and it's effective for lowering the stress levels. So, um, it's, um, yeah, I just feel like it's very relaxing. Um, and so I'm going to read something here from author David Kinchin um, from his book, Post-Traumatic Stress Dis Disorder, The Invisible Injury. Um, and basically, he was a Thames Valley police officer. He was diagnosed with PTSD in the 1990s, and he advocates for effective aromatherapy. Um, and so basically what he said here is aromatherapy can form part of a healing regime as well as being a preventative therapy in its own right. It gives pleasure through the sense of touch, the sense of smell, the sense of sight, and by doing so, it helps to create favorable conditions in body and mind for healing to take place quite naturally. And that's basically what it is, is 
a lot of the scents and the aromas, it's just very soothing and that's exactly how it helps your body heals and makes you feel relaxed. Um, another, uh, this is a newer one that I feel like a lot of people are getting into and I've tried it once. I went to an art therapy group and I extremely, I was really, really, really into it. Um, and I remember the first time I, I only went to this group twice, but I remember the first time I went to the group, I was frustrated because the art project was like doing kind of like a dream board kind of thing. And I was frustrated because I just didn't know what to put. I, I sat there literally for like 20 minutes to a half hour just doing like, I can't do this. This is stupid. I was just, I was angry. But then you know what? I'm just like, it's a dream board. I can really put anything down that's in on my mind. I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose of a dream board. So then once I got into doing it, I didn't want to stop. Like I was kind of upset when the group was over because then I finally got going and it was just a great release. Like I found like anything I liked, like we could look through old magazines or whatever. And I was just finding pictures of the ocean because the ocean is something that's calming pictures of cats because I love cats and animals. Um, anything to do with music. I know in one of the magazines, there was a picture of Elvis Presley. I love Elvis Presley and his music. Like it reminds me of my grandma. So I cut out the picture of Elvis Presley. Um, you know, there's just pictures of foods that I liked. I know I found one of tacos. Like it just everything that I saw in the magazine that I liked, I started putting down on the dream board and then it just became very exciting and thrilling and I felt really good about it um so yeah I think art therapy is very effective and I know it's one thing that a lot of people are recently getting into so it's um I think it can be especially when you're like me and you feel like you're not good at art art can be so many it's more than just drawing so, and I think once people realize that it's very creative and it gets your mind thinking and very like you can use your imagination and that's what it's really all about. Um, and so Melissa Walker here, I'm reading a little bit about her quote here that she is giving. Um, she is an art therapist and she basically describes how this is how art therapy can be effective in treating PTSD. Um, she says she encourages people um, she works with to create mask, masks, exploring the impact of the traumatic experiences on their lives and personalities. Um, and she says the reason she does that is because the mask gives people a way to express themselves. The concrete image of the mask unleashes words. It reintegrates the left and right hemispheres. Now they can discuss their feelings with their social worker or psychiatrist. So, I mean, and that's basically what it, it doesn't have to be a mask. It can be anything, the dream board or writing some poetry or just even like a bunch of scribbles on a piece of paper can be descriptive and how you're feeling. 
it's like if you, it's kind of like the saying, music speaks to us when we cannot. The same thing I feel can go through for art. It can speak for us when we cannot speak. And so that's why I feel like everything, you know, art is just so very important in our lives. And um, the last thing on here on Medical News Today is pets. Obviously, I'm big for this because I love pets and I, I feel like my anxiety has lessened a lot having my cats in my life and the guinea pigs too obviously help a lot in that and a lot of people um I know have like therapy dogs and I think that's becoming more of a common thing is to have like not even a therapy dog I think people have like all kinds of I know there was one lady that has a therapy pig for crying out loud <laughs> so I feel like I mean it'd be kind of hard to take a pig into a restaurant with you or whatever but I mean any kind of pet I feel like is especially a lot of war veterans um have therapy pets and it's just um they're so they they can love without judgment they cannot speak, and so they just love us no matter what. Um, so Richard Steinberg, he is a veteran that was diagnosed with PTSD, and he says that his therapy dog can sense when he's having a nightmare and night sweats, and the dog becomes restless, doing her best to catch his attention, trying to remove him from the situation. And then he says, putting my hands on her calms me down, and it calms her down, she senses the chemical changes in my body. And that is so true. Pets just sense when we are hurting. And they are this, they, they're just there for us. They really don't care what we look like or what we have done with our past. Pets just know how to love us unconditionally. And that to me is one of the best things about pets is they, they love without judgment. And People can't necessarily do that. Pets, however, can. And so that is just, that's what makes it so, their love so wonderful. Um, so moving on, um, there are different types of PTSD. Um, I never really, gosh, knew much about that. Um, I mean, obviously I know there's different types of depression um but there are different types of PTSD too and so I'm trying to see on here if there is a post where I can maybe read somewhat about PTS uh, different types of PTSD here um So yeah, um, I'm just going to read off a couple. There is acute stress disorder. Um, another one mentioned on here is uncomplicated PTSD. Um, Comorbid, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, a little bit of what that is about is... Actually, this comorbid is much more common is the is the much more common PTSD it looks like um it's associated with 
most disorders such as depression, uh, people with alcohol and substance abuse, um, panic disorders and other anxiety disorders. Um, wow. Okay. Um, never, never have I heard of that. And I don't even know if I am pronouncing that correctly. So, um, wow. Okay. Um, so especially with addiction, um, that's more if let's say if you were an alcoholic or were addicted to drugs and you're suffering from PTSD, whether you're trying to come clean from it, more than likely it is comorbid PTSD. I don't even think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, complex PTSD is also known as disorder of extreme stress. Um, that can be found among individuals who have been exposed to prolonged traumatic circumstances, especially during childhood, such as childhood sexual abuse. Um, most of these people also have borderline or antisocial personality disorder or dissociative disorders. Um, they can exhibit behavioral difficulties such as impulsivity, aggression, and sexual acting out eating disorders, alcohol and drug abuse, and self-destructive actions. Um, people with this kind of PTSD probably require the longest treatment, um, and they progress at a much slower rate. Um, so, yeah, I feel like I couldn't tell you what kind of PTSD I have, and I don't even know that I'd ever try to talk with my doctor, psychiatrist. Uh, you know, it's just, I honestly, from where I come from, and when I was diagnosed with it, I wasn't, well, yeah, I was a child. I mean, 16 when I was raped you know that's still a child and so it probably is more of a complex thing especially because I had a lot of problems with the self-harm I did have an eating disorder um in the peak of my depression um so probably more of a complex thing and I think that's the most com uh, um well I'd say second most common um so yeah, wow, I never knew that there was and that or they call it clusters. It's either different types of PTSD or different clusters. And that website was Mental Health UK, uh, where I read that. Um Okay, moving on. Um, let's look into some triggers because again, um, triggers are different in everybody. Um, and so I can't just, you know, go off my own experience. Um, really, if I'm being honest, I don't notice my triggers. I never really pay attention. Um, I guess the biggest one that I know I can recognize is that, you know, I'm very mistrustful of men. Um, so 
that's the only thing that's really triggering, especially if I'm around many different men. Um, but that's the only one I know that can trigger me a lot. A lot of different things. I think it's, um, a lot of it can lead to the autism. Like I don't like a lot of loud sounds and crowds and that definitely stems from the autism. And I think that can trigger my anxiety and PTSD as well. Um, so certain sights, sounds, smells, and thoughts that remind you of the event is definitely what is going to cause you some of those triggers. I mean, and you know, and it's obvious, but um, you could be watching the news and seeing a report of an assault for a while that stuff did trigger me. I, I couldn't really watch the news or watch any crime shows because a lot of it was just based on, you know, being sexually assaulted and that just... I, I couldn't handle it. Now it's not so bad. I'm actually, I aside from sitcoms, I love crime shows, stuff like Criminal Minds and Bones. You know, like I could watch those shows all day and hearing about the sexual abuse, yeah, it's awful, but it doesn't trigger me anymore. So I'm, I have moved past that. Um, you know, some people, um, it says, and this is according to WebMD, um, some people, if you were attacked on a sunny day, um, sunny days may make you feel stressed, which, you know, that's totally understandable. I know I read a story. Um, this was a book. I don't even remember what it was called. It was some years ago. Um, it was based on a true story about a woman in her she was probably about in her 20s at the time and she was beaten and assaulted um and she was dragged into a shed and it was a sunny day and from then on she could never go out uh, she would always have to go out at night or she could only go out on rainy days and I, she did eventually get to the point, like, you know, she did like exposure therapy where she worked with the therapist and trying to get out of the house on a sunny day and not have those thoughts all consuming. Um, but I mean, just, I couldn't imagine not being able to not leave your house because, something like that so traumatic has happened to you I know at first for the first month or so I was still in high school so I went to school and everything and I was you know I was around my mom for the most part and I had my friends that were pretty supportive of me so I wasn't afraid to leave my house but I know I was afraid to be left alone I know my mom she worked at night and my dad at the time was not living with us. So when my mom would go to work at night, I mean, being 16 years old, no one wants to babysit a 16 year old, but I would not, I, I would not be by myself. So I had to have a neighbor come and stay with me or I would go over to a friend's house just so I wasn't alone while my mom was working those few hours at night. And, um, 
you know, eventually, obviously, I got through all of that as well. But I, there were times I, I could not sleep by myself at night. Um, because obviously it, this all happened at, in the evening. Um, so, you know, just evenings in general, being alone at night, you know, going to sleep because that's when I'd have like those flashbacks. So it is things like that where I, I totally understand how that can be so triggering. Um, and that just, I just can't imagine like, looking outside and seeing the sun and being so triggered like that is just my my heart aches and I really you know what if I find the name of that book ever and anyone is interested in knowing I will share it um it was on my kindle some years ago though um but I mean it's absolutely heartbreaking I um I just yeah, it's so it's so absolutely heartbreaking. I know when I first read that book, it, I I cried because and I think it's the fact that broad and the fact that you're walking in broad daylight and I know it affects women most, you know, like women being attacked more so than men. But imagine just minding your own business um you know, doing whatever you're doing outside broad daylight getting beaten and assaulted in broad daylight that's just so horrible and I think about it that um I'm probably going to butcher his name but that Ahmaud Arbery um the black man who was out just on a normal jog and because he was black he was beaten and assaulted and he lost his life because of it and that's just it's so horrible to think that there are people like that in this world. Um, really, so so many of those things have got to stop. Um, a lot of the hatred and anything. But, I mean, it's, it's just so awful. Um, but anyways, um, on to a little bit more happier things. Because just, that's so awful. Many people ask if PTSD could ever go away. Well, according to WebMD, PTSD doesn't have to last forever, even without treatment. But sometimes the effects, can, they can go away after a few months. They can last for years or longer. Most people who have PTSD will slowly get better, but many people will have problems that do not go away. And I honestly feel like, for me, I I don't know that I will... There are parts of my story, like I said, that I don't think I'm ever going to get over them. You know, there are things that obviously you have to just... You really do have to kind of just learn to move on and deal with it in a healthy way. But um, will I ever get over being sexually assaulted? No. Um, not until the day I die. I never, ever, ever will forget that. I never, ever, ever will get over it. But there are things that I can learn to get past and live with because you do have to go on. I mean, life goes on. And, you know, anybody can tell you that is that life goes on. But there are going to be things that I feel like for the rest of my life are going to trigger me. 
um, that I don't know that I ever will get over. Um, and you know, it's just, it's so incredibly unfortunate, but it's, and everybody heals in their own way. Some people just kind of get over it very quickly. Some just may not even be able to live with themselves at all. And that's why so many people commit suicide. But me, there are parts of it I have slowly and gradually within the years have learned to live with it. And then it's something, though, that I will never, ever, ever get over. And I tell people that all the time, that yes, my life can go on and I can live a happy, healthy, long life. But I am never, ever, ever going to forget that. And that's... You know, I, I guess I just tell people that, you know, I tell people that unless you have been sexually assaulted yourself, you will never, ever know that pain. And you won't. You you could say that you feel the pain or that you understand, but no, you really don't. You really can never truly understand unless you deal with that yourself. And so it's nice to have, you know, to feel sympathetic and kind of make those people feel like things are going to be okay and so you can support them and be there for them. But you will never feel the pain that we do unless you experience it yourself. Um, and I tell people that all the time. You know, there's people that are like, just get over it. No, you never can. You don't ever tell somebody to just get over something because they just don't know how it feels. So remember that. And you tell people that you don't know how it feels. So don't tell me to just get over it. You never tell somebody that. So keep that in mind, folks. Um, so closing out the show then for the day with PTSD, um, I just want to share that yeah okay they're celebrities but sometimes some of us may think oh they're celebrities they're not people just like us but yeah they are um you know they just have more money they might be famous but they are human beings and people and they live just like us and they struggle just like we do um so here are 10 celebrities that have been open and honest about struggling with PTSD. Ariana Grande, Whoopi Goldberg, Mick Jagger, Jacqueline Kennedy Anassis, Monica Seles, Shia LaBeouf, Barbara Streisand, and Alanis Morissette. So I remember, um, I know one that sticks out to me, Ariana Grande, and that's because I feel like um, when she had that mass shooting from her London concert, um, I remember her being very open about her going to therapy and taking time to heal because of that. Um, so, you know, I, I really feel for her in that case. But um, so, yeah, some of these might sound surprising and some of them may not. You might think, OK, yeah, it doesn't surprise me. But those are some celebrities that suffer with PTSD. So. That's our show for today. So I enjoyed talking with all of you about PTSD. And just remember that you are not alone. You are definitely not alone. 
And if you ever need help, remember you can always call the SAMHSA's National Helpline and it is open 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and it is a free confidential hotline. If you or someone you know feels like they are struggling with PTSD, please give them a call 1-800-662-HELP. That's 1-800-662-4357. Join me sometime later on this week for more episodes of TIFF Totally. Totally.